You're listening to a recent Abbey Theatre talk. You can get more information on future talks in the series by visiting www.abbeytheatre.ie. Hello, welcome to the Abbey Talks. Thanks very much for coming. My name is Lisa Farley. I'm coordinator of the talks here at the Abbey. Just a little bit of housekeeping to do before we begin. I can ask you to make sure that your mobile phones are turned off. That would be great. And to be aware of the exits in case of emergency, which is the doors you came in and the double doors to my left. Pat Kinavan has one of the most recognisable faces in theatre, and yet in his latest sold-out show, Silent, he's not there. All we see is the blanket. A few coins here and there clears our conscience, and we go home to radiators and gravy and slippers and biscuits. Silent tells a story of one man's struggle with depression and homelessness. Pat Kinavan has continued his solo-powered work with Vishamble, the new play company, to produce an award-winning production that challenges our blinkered, sheltered perspectives and makes us laugh in the darkest of hours. Pat's cohort in conversation today is actor, writer, theatre artist, Alwyn Fure, whose paths with Pat has crossed many times, including Marina Carr's By the Bog of Cats and Tom McIntyre's Sheep's Milk on the Boil. There will be an opportunity to ask some questions at the end, so please save them up. And please welcome Pat Kinavan and Alwyn Fure. We thought we'd try coming on backwards. But <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> Welcome to everybody. Um, I'm, uh, I'm Scarlett, interviewing my great friend, Pat Kinavan, and I'm, I think I must be, well, one of his millions of greatest fans. Um, I've always admired him, loved his work, loved him as a person, and uh, for me, he's genius renaissance man so it's going to be a bit of a love-in probably yeah. <laughs> um first of all i just wanted to talk to pat about um silent because that's what the point of tonight really is and um ask how how did you begin your what was the germ of the piece of Silent? It's been on the road for about a year and a half now, and it's toured to many different countries, won millions of awards. But how, what was the germ? Thank you very much, Alwyn, and thanks everyone for coming in today in the rain. It's a, I know it's a really shitty day out there, so thank you so much. And uh, we'll do the loving thing later on because you know how, how much I think of you and how much I respect you and um, adore everything you do. You're quite an inspiration to so many people. And um, I'm genuinely shocked that you're here today talking to me because it should be the other way around. I should be just asking you the questions, but we'll do, uh, try and organise that. Um, um, the... Thanks for your question, Alwyn. The whole idea of silent um, came to me. Can you hear me there if I go back like that? Is that all right? Yeah. Um, I was actually, um, I went to New York City in, in about 2008, and we went over to do a presentation of um, the, the sister piece to this, which is called Forgotten. And we were presenting it to uh, producers and that over there. And it was my first time in New York, and I was really um, unimpressed by it, and I didn't know why. And I kind of was 
saying, why do I feel so like underwhelmed by New York? I thought it was going to blow my head off. And then I realised that it was because I saw a lot of dispossession over there. Do you know what I mean? I saw so many homeless people and I spent most of my time, Alwyn, kind of walking up to them and, and, and sitting down on the pavement and talking to them and hearing their stories and stuff. And the more I did that, the more I kind of, I know it was kind of, in a way, it was kind of, it was dangerous, but I was kind of, I found myself been attracted to it. Do you know what I mean? That I, I wanted to find out why people were there. And then when I came back to Dublin, um, and I was never really aware of it before in Dublin, but when I came back to Dublin, I felt even more mm. aware of it. Mm. It was like as if somebody kind of had, had taken away a kind of a, 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 the polarised part of it, and I could see. Mm. And, and I remember thinking, Christ, that's awful. And then I had worked as well in mental health. When I left school first, I, I had worked partly trained, not fully, but partly trained as a psychiatric nurse. And I left that. I was too young for it, you know. It, it, was, it, was, um, it was heavy going. And I always wanted to write about that as well. So I kind of, the two, the, the whole idea of the, the kind of catch-22 of being homeless and having mental illness are both uh, kind of fascinated me. So that's, that, that was the germ of it. And um, yeah, I was going to ask you the connection of mental health and homelessness as well. But it, it's what you say about the homelessness is, is uh, it's so true. I mean, I remember, um, I remember when I went over to work in London first in um, the early 90s. And there were people in every doorway I used to walk home, passing by all these people in every door, and then there'd be a whole encampment outside Westminster Church. Mostly Irish, actually, they were that encampment. And I remember saying, this had never happened in Ireland, because there were no homeless people in Ireland before that. They really, I mean, you know, there were, there were people on the street, but you just didn't see people sleeping in doorways. Mm -hmm. It's incredible that that has happened in that, in that short span of time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, it's just, I think it's a wonderful thing that that Pat took this subject on. Well, I mean, so, I, I think, you know, you're, you're right, because it happened so fast, Alwyn, as mm -hmm. well, that why am I doing this with the mic? Stop um, it. <laughs> terrible, because we're not used to microphones. I know, yeah. See, that's what it is. <laughs> Pulling we'll, back we'll, from we'll, the mic. We'll, we'll sing, sing a song, a song later. In a minute, right? <laughs> it sounds like Midnight at the Olympia, isn't it? It's mad. Alwyn Fuer, yeah. <laughs> Guests, guest uh, brings on Christy Moore. <laughs> You'd be brilliant with Christy Moore, actually. You'd be fantastic. Because you could sing and dance in the background and everything. Be brilliant. And sing in French. Um, but, um, no, you know, what's really weird about it was the whole idea of, uh, of the reasons. Like, I, I found I was very prejudiced about it. And I still mm. am. I'm still trying to find out stuff. Do you know what I mean? And I'm learning every day about why people, why everyone's story is completely different. Do you know what I mean? What, what, how they end up homeless and how they end up, other people would say, making the streets their home. Do you know what I mean? But it's, it's so unique to everybody because everyone's novel is different, you know? And how open were they, the, the people you spoke to, to um, telling you their story? For, most, for the most part, people are, were very open because I think for the most part, and it, maybe it's not a selfish thing, it's just a feeling of, you know, that, that some, for some reason, a feeling, uh, uh, this is only my own head, but like your, your, your feeling of belonging really depends on being able to communicate your story to somebody else. And I think they just wanted to talk. Mm -hmm. I think they just wanted to talk to somebody and tell, 
maybe, maybe, maybe in some way, you know, the way sometimes you talk through something and you make sense of it, you know, your problems. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what it was, you know. But I found I found them really, really willing to talk and yeah, yeah. Uh, and willing to open up. Yeah. And go go fast to the, the, the core of it. Do you know what I mean? And and um, and. And in their stories were, were, in general, I mean, I know the few homeless people I've spoken to would talk about just how it's the tiniest turn that makes them ends up, they've end up on the street. You know, they might be living in a flat and have a job one week, and then a week later they're on the street. Some combination of events happens, and then it's an incredibly difficult cycle to get out of. Mm -hmm. Was that a common thing? Is that what were, were many of them just like, suddenly on the street, or was it a gradual process for...? It, it, it's a really good question. Some of them were, were really, really gradual, and some of them uh, events... Uh, I suppose when we have events that turn quickly and the roof is still over us, mm -hmm. you feel safer in that in that, uh, in that crisis, in that mm -hmm. mini crisis in your life. But when w w a lot of it was, uh, a lot of the stories I heard were, were stories of, you know, when there was a natural crisis in your life, like we all have, uh, uh, you know, mini ones, bigger ones, the lack of a roof makes it even more profound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you know yourself when you wake up at four o'clock in the morning, or maybe I'm the only one who wakes up at four o'clock in the morning, you wake up and something is bothering you, like a bill or something like that, and it's actually magnified. And I remember going into that and kind of doing a little bit of research in it, and I think it comes from that, that kind of animal mm. uh, vulnerability where you are naturally homeless, where you're na are naturally out in the open, and that fear of the predator at four o'clock in the morning when you're at your most vulnerable, when you're asleep, that's where that uh, really captured me, the whole idea of, uh, of, of somebody who's homeless, that their crises are, is that the right word, mm -hmm. uh, are, are, they're doubled. Yeah, yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and terror, like absolute terror. Yeah. And then to what extent, I'm just really curious about this, to what extent would some of them or, or, or any of the ones you spoke to actually have, have chosen it as a kind of an escape from a life that you know, their families or a life that was incredibly, um, that they felt imprisoned by? Mm -hmm. Would it? Did any of them? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know, I'm Jesus. I, I preface it by saying I'm, like, I'm no expert at all. I'm still mm -hmm. like meeting people and, and talking to care. You know, people who, who care. Uh, you know, in the Simon community and, and, and the Samaritans all the time talking to them. And, you know, f and they're they're finding out new stories as they go along as well. But certainly, yeah, the, uh, there's almost like um, an emancipation sometimes in a strange way. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Of like getting rid of all of the. The, you know, uh, the rest of the planet, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That you're, uh, people feel isolated, but at the same time, it's a kind of a, kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know? Which is, maybe, maybe that comes out of, I don't know, maybe it comes out of being, feeling that you're left behind or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I love is the, the choice of the title as well, Silent, because for me, it, 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 it's of course the 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 people. It it so much seems to say to me, apart from the silent movies and all the other references, but about a voices or people who who are silenced, yes. who have been silenced, and therefore um, you know they're silenced maybe because they're on the street, but maybe they've also been silenced and choose to go on the street. Yes, that they have, there's no. It's like there's no channel for this 
whatever energy. I mean, I love about um, in in this piece that you'll see tonight the fact that uh, Tino chooses has this extraordinary reality going on, which has absolutely every right to exist in this reality, in the reality yes. of the Valentino and all of that, all that, all that wonderful. It's a, it's a, a, a wonderful, an extraordinary world he's created around himself. Um, and uh, it's a reality that he has absolute right to choose and to exist mm -hmm. within. But very often within the society we live, we're not allowed to live like that or we're not allowed to think like that. Which mm -hmm. kind of brings me on to the whole thing of mental health as well is that, I mean, you know, we, there's, no, there's no, for me, there's no denying the fact that mental health is, is, an, is an illness, um, you know, that mental health, there is mental health and there is mental ill health, but there is also a whole gray area in between where I think uh, people have a particular reality that they understand and live within, but somehow it's not acceptable within our society. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think um, Pat treads so fascinating in this piece, this reality which is completely valid and yet for other people, it's just somebody that they throw a coin to yes. and would think that he's crazy. I mean, when you look at, it, it, it must be really interesting from somebody who is wet and, you know, sleeping on cardboard, we'll say near the Westbury, and they see somebody go by every day who is in the, you know, on a nine to five kind of treadmill, and they see that person who is very concerned about their hair or about their suit, you know what I mean? And, and they must see that and go, or maybe they don't, but I'm sure that some of them, it's the antithesis of caring and not caring, but also of maybe they could, they could misinterpret that as OCD, mm. that that person is, you're yeah. fucking mad you were, you know what I mean? Exactly. I, you know, I, I, I'm not doing that, I'm mm. not worried about what kind of car I drive, or I'm not worried about, uh, you know, what restaurants I go to, and do I go to the National Concert Hall? Do you know, mm -hmm. not, nothing against the National Concert Hall, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's their, their world, their reality is, mm. is, and it's rarely talked about, actually. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that they, they, the dignity a, is there, like, there yeah, has to yeah. be, there's dignity at all costs, isn't there? Yeah, and we live in, we live in this completely pre prescribed reality, actually, and if you mm. don't fit into the prescription, then you're, you're a bit mad. And this is what I love about what you've done with Tino, is that you, he celebrates, you celebrate his life, you celebrate his, his reality, you celebrate his wonderful I hope fantasies. so, you know. It, it's mad, Alwyn, because like when I started writing this uh, and halfway through it, um, I just said, oh, this is, honestly, I, I remember in the kitchen one night going, I'm not, I can't fucking finish, sorry. I can't finish this, this is, <laughs> You know, like you just lose, you really lose your your uh, your belief in whatever you're doing, and that's why I'm very, very like I'm very, very, very thankful, Alwyn, and you know that from being my friend as well about everything else. But I'm I really more and more each day I become more grateful and thankful for everything, and particularly the work at the moment that that it's that we we, we got to an end and and that. Jim Cullerton, you know, you know Jim as well. He's an extraordinary mm -hmm. man. He's mm -hmm. he's one of the most caring and nurturing directors you could ever ever encounter, or artists that you can encounter. He's he's amazing to be with on a journey like that because he will not leave you 
abandoned mm. and he will nurture you and I think uh, people think you know I, I, I don't know no, I, I think that people we need looking after you know what I mean you need to be nurtured you need to be told it's you're okay go on go on go on your grand go yeah. on keep going with that and yeah. and someone to bring you in and, and you know yourself yeah, yeah. and I, I'm I am so so grateful for that I mean I can't even express how grateful I am for that and and um, what how how does your relationship with the fish amble evolve? I mean, what I what I what I do really appreciate in in the work you've done with Jim is the fact that um, I see I see Pat's work as an artist being completely uh, supported, as you say, and um, it's it, it, it's it's fascinating to see that 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 that. Uh, you know, Pat's not coming in and writing a play and playing a part. He's actually, you know, on a whole journey, which is being supported through Fishamble. So I'm kind of interested to see how that works in the traditional structure of d director, writer, performer, all that kind of stuff. I mean, don't have to go into in details, but just in terms of how, how does it all d function? Does it work well for you? I, th I think um, the... And, and Jim was really open to this at the start. Um, and it's a big risk to take, you know what I mean? But we decided we were going to throw structure out the window, do you know what I mean? We're going to throw everything out and start with a different structure and, and just try and find a different way of working. Mm -hmm. And not put pressure on ourselves to be ready for an opening night. Do you know what I mean? Not put pressure on ourselves to uh, to have to preview on a certain date or have to open on a certain date to, to kind of let the work, uh, good or bad, to let the work give it time and space and leave it, mm. you know what I mean? Like Silent took the best part of two and a half years to, to get on stage and Forgotten was about about two years, yeah, two two years. And so, how would it start? Would you you talk to Jim and say, "I have this idea," or you'd have already written the script or part of it? Or yeah, uh, you yeah. could have had an idea scribbled down on bits of paper, really, yeah. and say, "Look, what you think of this?" And he's going, "Yeah, yeah, that's. I think you. That sounds really good. Come on, yeah. you know." And then throw him a few bits of paper, maybe three or four pages of it, and you go, "Yeah, keep going with that," and come back to me. So I'm at the stage now. With, I'm, I'm working on a new piece, for example, at the moment, and I'm at about. I bought, I've got about 150 copy books all over the place with bits written in each, and you know, and I'm going to have to put them together and go to them with a few pages soon. And then, how often would you would you meet up just to have these kind of brainstorming Again, sessions? Again, it, it was really open, you open, know, yeah. because between work and and. And and, and 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 thank God for the work between that and and families and everything else. Mm. You, I can't, you know what I mean. I, I'm useless like that with with routine. And uh, and so so when you finally got down to the staging, was that a, in a broken up kind of way as well? Yeah, it yeah, was broken yeah. up, but there was there was a kind of an, a, a rough structure to yeah. let's try and meet at least three days a week here, or okay, three okay. afternoons a week or something like that. So, yeah. and um, which is brilliant, brilliant way of working. Because it's like a, a organic, very organic way of working instead of the okay and four weeks and we open. But as you know yourself, way, normal like, way of doing it. Your day informs your your night, and your yeah, day informs yeah. your work. And mm. and you know some days you go in and you be full of the joys of spring, and other days then you're, you know, you're hurting about something or whatever, and then mm. something something kind of mad comes out. Mm. So. Um, and I think I always think as well that it's when you when you're making a piece that it's not. Like people always say, we need more rehearsals. Well, yeah, 
we, we, we do, but what, when, when I'm talking about like when you're doing a big show, like upstairs, whatever, but, but actually what you need more is time, span of time. Yes. You know, the three days a week spread out over six months or a year is far more effective than those, you know, days packed into, say, two months or something like that. Yeah. I, it's a great model to work with. Well, you know that inside out. Do you know what I mean? You've always given yourself space like that, and, and, and that's why it's just amazing. Uh, no. Yeah, but you know, you're better than I am. No, you're better than <laughs> I am. And you're He's great, the most gifted person I know. She's disgusting. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think you should cut off your hair and sell it. <laughs> I th and you could keep selling it in the foyer. There'd be loads of it. You could make a fortune out of it. <laughs> it'd be brilliant. Imagine people would have it framed in their bathrooms, you know, all Owen's hair. Like, I'm black, you know, that fantastic. One. And it could have different shapes and everything. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you, because uh, uh, if you don't mind me asking you this, because I, I, I another good friend who, I, who, who had, a, he had a kind of a man, manic episode, you know, he's sort of bipolar and he had a manic episode, and uh, I was asking him to tell me all about it, because everything he told me about it, I found hilariously funny. <laughs> it's really That's cruel. Right. But you have to laugh. <laughs> you do have to laugh. And uh, the one that really made me laugh was when he said... Uh, because he, he, he's he, uh, his French, lives in Paris, and uh, he said when he was picked up by the, by the by the cops finally when they found him on the street, and he wasn't on the streets, but they found him on the street, and he was in a strange state, and uh, they put him in the, into the van, and he started singing the Marseillaise, but all the cops joined in. <laughs> 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 they were bringing him to the hospital. <laughs> and then he said there was another one when he, he remembers running down the Tuileries Gardens thinking he was a horse. And I thought, but that's completely valid. That's all in our DNA, actually. Yeah. That's something like you do, actually, <laughs> yeah. run down Grafton Street. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um, but um, and, and, uh, I suppose like, like it's, it's in terms of the... The, the the Rudolph Valentino, which is was that part was that a, a Kinavan kind of dream or did it how did it come about and connect with homeless? Well, I tell you, I, I was always kind of fascinated with with silent movies and all black and white movies and that, but particularly the, the silent movies because. Um, uh, I, I I just loved the whole uh, expression without words, you know what I mean, and uh, just the body, and and, um, and that was one thing, that was one kind of grod that I had, and then I read, uh, there was a book in our house, um, and it was introduced to the house by no other than Frank McGuinness had given it as a gift, and it was a book, uh, it was on the life of Valentino, and it was sitting on the shelf for a few years, and I was looking at it going, I'm going to read that, and then I started reading it, and I was like, bang, like, you know, I, I knew, knew bits and pieces about him, but I didn't really know how much of a huge, huge uh, star he was. There, are, in fact, there is nobody has ever topped him. You know what I mean? Nobody. You know, his worldwide fame was incredible, and 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 his his death at 31 was just shocking, and, and it was the first time that it was kind of mass media kind of crazy panic, and um, and uh, and I just I was really fascinated by this, and I thought. I remember thinking at one stage, oh, I'd love to write a one-man show about Rudolf Valentino, and I thought, no, I am not classically, <laughs> I'm not classically good-looking. I think I you look like him. No, I couldn't, I couldn't play it. I'd be scarlet because they'd be saying, why didn't they get somebody really, really gorgeous to play? Why did they get that fucking idiot? So, so I thought, how could I do it? Could I do it with a mask? You know, could I do blah blah blah? And then, um, 
in, I, I kind of I wanted to incorporate the whole sort that sort of awe into this piece in some way, shape or other. And I, and I was very, very lucky to be funded by the Arts Council at one stage in a bursary to develop the idea. And I, I was determined to finish it from the point of view is that I had, I, I wanted to thank the Arts Council, you know, for, mm -hmm. for believing in me. Yeah, to, yeah. You know what I mean? And I thought, right, I'm going to do this. I have to, even though there was no, there was no deadline put on me like there was space given to me yeah. and I said right I'm going to do this I have to do this yeah, so yeah. I kept working on it all the time and actually that even that funding that I had gave me time to think yes really important the bursaries they're brilliant it was brilliant mm. it gave me loads of time to think I was able to go on and do daily things and that, but I was able to read I was able to do stuff and I'm a slow reader I'm, I'm a very slow reader and I'm slightly dyslexic when it comes to when I get tired and stuff so Anyway, between the uh, jigs and the reels, I got it. I I, I went. It, it it kind of incorporated itself into silent into my head, and uh, uh, instead of it being my grow, it mm. became Tino's grandmother's grow. So it's that ah, that's how yeah. it comes in. That she was fascinated by yeah yeah by Rudolf Valentino. Such a brilliant marriage of the two. And so, th th do you know the moment when the whole idea of the homeless and and Valentino came together, you know, the um, actual moment, the eureka moment, or did it just kind of... I remember thinking, oh, wow, did, uh, you know, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be great to tell, you know, some of it, some of his story uh, in a silent movie-esque way? The, 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 the homeless story, yeah. yeah in and movie, yes. also, I wanted to kind of counterbalance, oh, this sounds really... Yeah. Straight, but I wanted to counterbalance really like the street and the glamour of, yeah, yeah, of that's what's Hollywood, brilliant. you know what I mean? The two different things, so that you'd have this, mm. uh, especially the mother character in it who believes that she's amazing and beautiful. Um, so she thinks she's in a silent movie all the time, do you know what I mean? So, um, not like my own mother who was wonderful, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? I want, so yeah, I. I remember kind of feeling, oh, is this a bit? But it kind of came together. Thank God. Yeah. No, I, th I think that that for me was such a great choice because it, it was, um, it, you know, it didn't become a thing, a, a tr a, like a, a polemic or anything like that about homelessness. It became about this um, incredible life force, of, yeah. you know, through that language, so. through that, through that beautiful filmic language it gives it gives him it gives him another voice not just words it gives him yeah, a voice a different voice i hope a, i hope a, anyway a voice of kind of celebration and and um hope really you know huge amount of like he, life just gives him life well you know um, i know you're force. very i've all from i like the, for the first time i worked with you was in 1993 that's um 19 years ago, and uh, uh, we, we did um, Salome together. Yeah. And I, I was, t you know, I, I was so in awe of your work before that. But I always knew that I remember. I always knew that you were you're a very grateful person. You're very, you're full of gratitude and full of grace like that. But um, uh, I'm going to tell him the ferocious story. <laughs> I, the album was inside in the, the, the SFX, and, and I saw you from a distance, because I'd seen you loads of stuff, particularly I'd seen you in the Yates plays that were here. You were fucking amazing in those, and, and you did some Beckett lunchtime plays here as well and everything. Mm. Anyway, and I, I was terrified of you, so I went up. 
in the SFX and you were inside, you know the story, you, you were inside in the foyer and I wasn't even, I wasn't, oh, it was before this actually, it was well before, it would have been like 1987 or 88 and you were there. And I went up and I tipped you on the shoulder and I said, sorry, uh, um, you're, I, I, I won't swear, aren't you? And you said, yes. You went like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you were really French. And I said, I just want to tell you that I, that I think you're, you're, you're brilliant. You're, I really admire your work. And you said, oh, thank And then you smiled and you said, oh, thank you very much. Oh, it's so good to meet you and blah, blah, blah. And I, call, and I went home and I called you Alvin Ferocious. Ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> and because, but you know, going back to that, it's the grateful thing. I think, you know, it's, it's all very well and good to have a dream to be working like as an actor or a, or a writer or, or, or any, you know, a, a director or anything. Like, but like when, when, you, when things start coming true for you and when you start doing stuff that you really love to do, there's no other way out of it. There's no other way than to count your lucky stars and your blessings around you and that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That we're yeah. so, you have to be so grateful mm -hmm. for every single chance you get. Like, yeah, yeah. And I know you are and I, every day it gets stronger for me like yeah no i i i'm i'm count my blessings that we're in the world we're working in yeah. you know and we're late late night at the olympia yeah <laughs> yes. song which there. song though i don't know we might get a request we'll get one get a song from the member of the audience maybe just th put it open to a few questions if anybody wants to ask anything lisa's over there with the mic there's one over there. Because it's a very, it's a very visual piece. Right. And just talk maybe about how movement kind of informs your work. Yes, certainly. Thank you. Um, uh, since I started working, um, I, I I've always. Um, Sometimes I always, when I was younger, I, I used to get kind of sensitive about it because a lot of my work, I, I'd like to introduce, you know, my, the physicality into the character. I'm just, a, you know, that I was always like that, you know, as a younger man as well. I, 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 uh, it's not that I was confident, but I would, I was always very kind of okay in my skin, you know, and um, and uh, you know. Uh, people would say to me, oh, God, you're one, you're one of those actors that throws yourself around the place. Yeah, I get that. You, you guys, <laughs> I know you get that. And what you feel like saying is, well, that's just the way it is, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'd rather be like that than somebody who stands still all night and mm. that's what they do, you know what I mean? And I envy that. I envy somebody who can hold on to it and do it. But uh, I, I was always very much in, influenced by European theatre and... Um, and, and this is like to, silent to me is a real chance to be a, a start all over again. Mm. Like I feel like a child doing it because I can actually, you know, there's no limits to, to the physicality of it. And if, if I'm feeling really full of energy on the day, you go for it a hundred percent. And if you're feeling just a little bit fatigued, you protect your body and you just bring the movement down a bit just to make sure you don't hurt yourself or injure yourself or, do you know what I mean? So. Most of all, though, I think that we are much more physical than we think we are. And uh, I think the Irish are, are wild, you know, mm. that we are wild physically. You only have to put on a bit of music and see people dancing. They're yeah, amazing, yeah. you know what I mean? But there's something kind of trapped. Yeah. And I know there's parts of me that are still trapped physically that I have to find mm. out, do you know what I mean? So the only way that I can kind of do it is 
that I'm given license to do it, thanks be mm -hmm. to God, is up in, uh, up in a, yeah. a box. I mean, theatre is so much about the body in space that, like, when it's not used, uh, it, I find it frustrating to watch if, if I feel the body isn't, you know, and he's, that, that's what's so amazing about Tino, is that we, he speaks to us through his body, just as much as through his great, you know, dialogue and everything like that. God knows what signals we give off, though, mm. in real life. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the thing, Lisa, that I'm kind of fascinated in, is that, like, we don't know what signals we give off mm. to people physically, you know? We might be lying, you know, mm. we might be lying vocally, but we could be telling the truth physically yeah, or vice yeah, versa, yeah. do you know what I mean? And it's only when you see yourself, like, for the first time, when you see yourself vid on videotape, or you said, then you kind of go, Jesus, I don't do that, do I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've all done that, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, so I'm, I'm really still fascinated by that. I feel that there's endless possibilities there to learn, you know? They say it's about 70 or 90% or something of perception is, is visual, and only a tiny percentage is verbal. So. 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 <laughs> 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 Sorry. There's a old over there. Hi, Pat. Um, how has your um, idea of what's normal changed um, since you started doing Forgotten and Silence and, and, and all the work that you've done and gathered stories and tried to understand people more? Sorry, sorry, how, how has your sense of what, it's, what it is to be normal changed? Or to be no normal changed. Yeah, if, if the, you have a sense at all, you know, if, if there is such as, a thing. As in, like, as in a, per a person walking down the street, like? Yeah, that sort of thing, yeah. After listening to all the stories and... Oh, sorry. Oh, right. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about <laughs> to stay in my head. Well, <laughs> I am. I am, in oh, a way. Oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. give me about three hours for that. Um, uh, um, I think that... Can I just give you a quick example back? Like, there, there was there, uh, talking to one guy, which I found amazing. He said, I always wanted to have my own place, right? Uh, it's amazing, what we, you know, what we do to each other. And he said, when I got my place, I was terrified to be in the place by myself because he said, I missed all the lads out in the street. Mm. And he said, also, I was afraid in case they were going to come back to my place and wreck it. So I was not at home in my own home. Mm -hmm. So I eventually ended up back in the street because I felt more comfortable oh back in God, the street. Yeah, so yeah. it was actually, I mean, that must be a really, really strange feeling. So I wonder, is that normal or abnormal? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm. I tell you the one thing that I, that I learned, and it was only, it was at the same time in tandem with the development of Silent, was that the whole emphasis that's put on things and a roof over your head. I mean, pe people went mental just to have, mm. you know, to buy a house rather than mm. European-wise renting yeah, a house, renting, for example. Yeah, yeah. That is abnormal, I think, you know yeah, what I mean? I and people said it's a thing like, oh, the Irish like to own their own home. I don't think the Irish mm. like to own their own home. I think it was like a hysteria. They've been forced went, into owning a you know, <laughs> Buy a house, get, get out. Yeah. And now there's so many people that are like, their mental health is affected mm. because of that. So that's, that's the normal, mm. abnormal thing that I'm still battling with, I don't know. Like, I always say, like, you know, and I mean this very humbly, I know that I'm a bit mad, but I know it. Like, it's people who don't know they're mad. I'm, I'm afraid of them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? They're scary, like. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Isn't that? Thanks, Phil. 
I've had. Uh, I oh, saw yeah. the show on uh, Friday. It was. Uh, it was really good. I don't know if you remember me, by the way, uh, Michael from the Gate about twelve years Hiya, ago. Hi, Michael. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I got. Uh, I got side of the side of your face. How are you, boy? Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, I was just. Uh, I was really struck about um, the show. Is really interactive. It's like you don't let the audience off the hook. If you know what I mean. There's. It, there's like. If you know when you see a comedy gig, if someone heckles, the the comedian takes them on. Now I'm not. You're obviously not a comedian in this, but it is really funny. But you bring the audience in, you, you pick a few people out and you, it was, it, what, what kind of made you decide that you weren't gonna let the audience off the hook, you were gonna like really go for it, like to, instead of just playing a part, you actually kind of bring it in, if you know what I mean. Thank you very much, Michael, that, that, that's a really good question. What happened, that was a gradual thing actually over the last year. And I think a lot of it was, um, when, when you're starting something off, doesn't matter what it is, you know, it's yourself following, like you start something off and you kind of, you generally tend to look, or I do anyway, I tend to kind of not look out or, you know, the fourth wall if it's done diagonally, if you're looking out or whatever, but mm. it's that, that thing of like looking directly into an audience's face. You don't normally get those chances to do something like that, but I suppose with confidence, growing slowly, doing it in church halls and doing it in libraries and doing it in art centres and blah, 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 I got more and more used to the idea that the piece was an interactive piece, mm. that the audience, it was nothing. And I always knew that, but I, I, even more, it became even more clear to me that the piece was actually, it needed that. It needed that almost like that. There was a kind of a, a, a very strange realism to it that, that there was an audience watching him and he never had to explain why. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it's that, 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 that there's, maybe it's that there's souls watching souls or something like that. But then I found like that, that was, it actually, it actually kind of helped me along because it like, it, I got great crack out of it. Like the other night, there was a woman down here, Anne, and I asked her a question, and Anne without an e, right? Anne without an yeah, e. Yeah, that was the night. You I was were there, and I said to her, "Look, well, if you don't, if you don't give me the answer, I'm going to go and rob your handbag." And she she picked up the handbag. <laughs> she had it like that for the whole night, and that kept me entertained. Like, and she was lovely. I said, "I'm not going to," you know. She knew, but it was like talk about her mind was at ease, but her body was tense. <laughs> she was all on to it. But it's just, you know. I think maybe there's more there. Maybe there's more, more things that we, I don't know, geez, I'm no expert. There's, there's, there's more theatre that we can do like that. Yeah. That actually, rather than the audience being slightly removed from yeah, the piece, yeah. that we bring them in and, and, and make everyone mm. in, that the audience dictate, mm. the, 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 rather than feeling that, there's, that they have no power over the piece, that they actually dictate yeah. the, the, the workers on the stage, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's how it used to be, I couldn't agree more. Audiences have been beaten into politeness and submission. <laughs> 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 they stay, they're really polite. I think you should be allowed to, I mean, a lot of actors don't agree with me, but I think Pat would, we should be allowed to throw things if you don't like it. Yes. <laughs> Take it off the stage, you're shite. Yeah. Pre preferably in the form of a check. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Voight. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. To to sing a song. Um, I have absolutely no idea. We we purposefully. Sorry, what's your name? Hiya, Pat. Oh, thanks so much, Pat, for coming in and for coming in today. Um, you know what, Pat? We, we, we kept it. And um, I, I talk about taking structure away. We, we kept forgotten when it started first, and we kept, we're keeping silent, kind of on the down low in that sense, because this is the first time that we've done a residency in Ireland 
and uh, and one of the main reasons that we agreed to do it here and, and we were asked we were first of all we were asked to do it and we were blown away by fiac um and but how can you refuse like uh, how can you refuse a national theatre? Do you know what I mean? I'm, I come from a very particular Republican part of Cork, and I, I've always looked up to um, the national theatre and radio air. And when it comes to years ago, you know, listening to the radio and hearing radio plays and all that kind of thing. And I, I never thought I'd end up working in the national theatre, and I, I did for years. And then I took a break, and it's my first time back here, so I kind of feel that this is a really special time. You know what I mean? And I'm older and. I'm not wiser at all, but I'm, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more relaxed here. Do you know what I mean? It feels more, um, it feels more, I'm having more fun. And so, but I don't know what's ahead. Like, I don't know what ahead, you know, where runs in Ireland are. We certainly have runs abroad sorted out for the next couple of months and that. Um, and again, it's, it's keeping me going. But um, I, I have absolutely no idea. All I know is that I kind of I, I kind of trust it, that it, it, at some stage we'll do a run somewhere in in, in, in Dublin again. And you're doing Cork Festival, aren't you? We're going to Cork. Oh. And they're going to stone that's me to death. Be, that's going to be amazing. They're going to stone me. <laughs> I'm going to my hometown, Pat, um, on the 21st of, of June. We're doing two shows in, in the hometown. In the Commodore Hotel. And uh, thanks very much. Uh, that's the end of it, yeah. And uh, and you'll and all of them will be bawling, crying over my grave. Last <laughs> yeah. by Sam was on the Peacock stage. Oh God. Thank you so much, guys, for coming in. Thanks, Alwyn. Thanks for making the effort to come in, guys. It's brilliant. Thanks, guys, up there. That's a terrible night out there. Like. <laughs> we just, we still sing a song. Which oh, song? Oh, sorry, before you go, I want to, um, because I'm going to embarrass her now, she's the best actress ever. Oh, God. And I want to present you with this as a gift. No. Uh, and I'm doing it on behalf of myself, but I'm also doing it on behalf of all the people that came in here today. So you will just hopefully remember this room and just this afternoon and the faces that are in and all the lovely, lovely oh questions and everything. So um, that's for you. I opened the, why did I open the box? It's not for me at all. <laughs> all right, Thank so you, you so remember much. all those people that are in. It should be the other way around. I should be giving him some. Oh God, fantastic. Wonderful, that's the man he is. <laughs> Look at that. See? For a beautiful, beautiful woman. You wear that. Uh, thank All right. you. Thanks so, so much, much, everybody. You're brilliant. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You'll find many more Abbey Theatre talks available to listen back to, along with details of future talks in the series, by visiting our website, www.abbeytheatre.ie.